Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast feed. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, the animal to my hawk, Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, and you really have to stop reading my mind because I was wondering <laughs> when you were going to do the road wars. I literally just thought that like less than 30 seconds ago. Uh, you know, you do a podcast long enough, I guess you start thinking the same way. This is going to be a Team Turnbuckle AEW NXT podcast. We are going to go over the AEW show on Wednesday. We're only going to highlight a few parts of the NXT show, basically any that were not involved with the pay-per-view that was last night, the In Your House, and that was country, In Your House uh, takeover <laughs> edition Um uh, but we're going to go over that. But before we start, I want to remind everyone that IB Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Uh, we would appreciate if you would subscribe to be notified when all new podcasts from the IB Network come out. We would also appreciate if you would rate and review the IB Sports Network. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and join the Facebook group, which has over 4,000 members. Facebook group has a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for the day, levy fines, receive free gambling picks, and much, much more. Let's start with AEW since obviously we're going to spend more time on NXT with the pay-per-view. Dynamite began with, how about this, a tag team title match. (laughs) We hadn't seen one of those in a while. Between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, the, the champs versus Jimmy Havoc, and Kip Sabian, as is uh, not a surprise, Penelope Ford was involved early, tripping up Omega. The distraction allowed Havoc and Sabian to take control early. They kept Omega on their side of the ring. They seemingly, uh, you know, reinvigorated and bonded Hangman and Page, quickly turned the tables as Hangman caught Penelope going for a Hurricane Rana off the top rope. As she was being ejected, that allowed Havoc to hit both Page and Omega with a wrench and score near fall, which I actually thought they might lose the titles there. So did I. Hangman eventually would recover long enough to tag Kenny back in. He took control. The match went back and forth, even had a swinging miss with a hacksaw from outside the ring. You got to give Sabian Havoc. Their matches are wild. Um, They've been really good, too. And like we said, we thought they might actually upset this match. But in the end, the champions would not be denied. They got it together, nailed what they dubbed the last call. It's Hangman's Lariat and Omega's V-Trigger for the win. Both the best friends in SCU were shown watching intently. Do you think this is going to you know, get back to where we're going to see the tag titles defended on a weekly basis? Because I actually think it's until Hangman and Omega, who are more single stars, are not champions – Unfortunately, I just don't think that's something we're going to see regularly, and they're going to save it more for pay-per-views and stuff. I would like to see it back uh, a lot more back on. You know, um, we had talked about needing the tag team titles to be defended, especially you know during the virus and all this stuff. And now with um, you know a couple of new arrivals in the tag division, the tag division is loaded in AEW. So yes, I would love to see the titles being defended more often. Uh, you know, kind of like they used to before every uh, everything kind of changed. I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen next. Um, um, I'm amazed to see that the best friends are 
already right in the picture when I was thinking that they were, you know, at least a, a little ways away. But excited for what the tag division is going to be bringing uh, us going forward. Yeah, and I think they could at least, you know, do more. If you're not going to have championship matches, have more tag matches on a week-to-week basis that lead to the championship matches. You know, number one contender matches. They could even do a tournament. There's all kinds of things where, when, like what you're saying, when you have that much talent in the tag team division, like, use it. Absolutely. So Brian Cage with Taz had another squash match with, I believe the gentleman's name was Sean John. Cage again just showed off his brute strength. He manhandled John at will. Taz, after the match, jumped on the mic and got right in the face of the camera, taking off his shades and saying how his machine basically will decide if Mox lives or dies in the match. John Moxley, being who he is, comes right down to the ring where he's warned before stepping into the ring but then replied he's looking forward to getting it on with Cage and then eventually tells him he's in over his head. Before giving a mic drop, he told them to watch their mouth when bringing him up because he's a different breed. Now, did this give you any more excitement for their upcoming match at Fighter Fest? I mean, I'm already excited because it's two guys we've never seen fight before. I actually think Moxley... You know, even when he was Dean Ambrose, believe it or not, is better against bigger guys because, you know, he's such a big dude. Uh, You know, they don't portray him that way, but Moxley's a big guy, and I I like it better when he's kind of the underdog. You know, I think his style makes for a little bit better matches when it doesn't look like he's the bigger, stronger of the two competitors. Mm -hmm. But the only thing I'm concerned about, and we said this about Brody Lee, is, you know, and I guess this is AEW paying for WWE sins, but I worry about if Cage doesn't, you know, dethrone Matt Moxley and win the title, you're going to have two of their biggest signings that they've had since the show's kind of been established come in, immediately receive title, you know, shots, and then lose. And in WWE, that's not good. You know, we, we know what that happens. They, they usually don't ever regain their footing. AEW has earned the trust to where we should give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not really that worried about Brody Lee with, you know, the Colt Cabana stuff and and just the things going on. But that's the only concern I have about this match. But other than that, no, I'm really looking forward to this, this title, you know, match coming up. Yeah. And to your point, um, when Moxley got in the ring, Moxley isn't that much smaller than, um, than Brian Cage. It was actually quite amazing when you got them side by side like moxley's taller cage is just the definitely bigger stronger right. guy but it's not going to be an overpowering match but i i agree that um with moxley being the smaller dude that'll that will allow him to bring a different style of match but i think that it's going to be a pretty explosive one so there was a quick segment in between matches where we find lance archer beating a man with jake roberts looking on Alex Marvez tried to ask what's next when the murder hawk monster stated intensely that one loss doesn't mean anything and he's going to bring the pain like you've never seen before. Do you have a person in mind that you would like Lance Archer feuding with next? There wasn't anyone specific in mind. I was still kind of hoping that he hasn't completely lost sight of Cody, even though I know Cody has this open challenge going on. But there's a few people um, I would love to see, you know, we were talking about 
getting a, a guy with equal sizing. So seeing something with maybe him and Luchasaurus would be pretty awesome. Um, the uh, unfortunate part is that there's not a lot of faces in AEW that can match that size and strength. But considering that segment, it again got me thinking that they are going to do the right thing and that they're still going to be able to give him uh, a good enough storyline to keep us very uh, interested in what he's got going on. You know, the guy that, that I'm interested in and we're going to talk about this right now. So I'll, let me go ahead and go through that. And then I'll explain why I actually think Matt Hardy is, is the answer. Mm. Uh, there was another segment before we got back to the ring that saw Matt Hardy coming to check in on the uh, private party. Matt told the Saudu that they're the future of the tag team division and offered to help them out. You know, private party obviously happily accepted, you know, growing up watching the Hardy brothers, they even jokingly refer to themselves as the Hardy party. You know, I'm not sure AEW knows what to do with Matt Hardy. You look at the last couple of weeks, he's, he's been involved with the young bucks. He's been in, involved with private party. You know, they've had him involved in main events now he's playing kind of this role as a mentor. And my question was going to be, what is the right role for Hardy? But I actually think somebody like Lance Archer should be that, you know, Lance Archer needs a big win. He, he's still new to the AEW audience, to all of us. I know he's got a, you know, a big track record overseas, but Matt Hardy, and this is what I think they need to use Matt Hardy for, is to put over, you know, younger unknown guys and I think a few between Archer and Hardy that obviously Archer would come out on top could be big for Lance and be using Matt Hardy about as effectively as you can at this point in his career. I do kind of like that because we have seen that, like, you know, Matt hasn't been undefeated. I believe he took a loss. I can't remember if it was a singles or a tag match, but, you know, he's, oh yeah, it was that beautiful, um, not the stadium stampede, but the one that was on television, they had lost that match. Oh, the tag match. Yeah. That, him with him and Omega. So it's not like he's been undefeated. And the great part about what it seems that Matt Hardy is that he's in here to have fun while doing business. So it would make sense for him to be one of those guys who will help uh, advance lesser known talent or someone like Lance Archer, who does have a draw, but like you said, he's more of an uh, NJPW and overseas guy. So that would definitely get more eyes on him here. I would dig that very much. So after that, getting back to the ring, we actually had a Chris Jericho sighting in the ring to face Colt Cabana. He had blamed Colt Cabana for not knocking out Mike Tyson last week, as well as holding him back from getting to him. Colt actually got off to a quick start, even taking out both Jericho and J.K. at ringside with a moonsault. The inner circle, being their crafty selves, used a distraction to allow Chris to take control of the match. Colt used Jericho's momentum, though, to throw him into the corner and mounted a bit of offense, even channeling his inner Dusty Rhodes. Looked pretty good in this match, but eventually a Judas effect out of nowhere put him right to sleep. After the match, Jericho said what happened to Cabana will happen to Mike Tyson. He said this is the match everyone wants to see and called Mike out to fight right there on the spot. After being stood up by Tyson, Orange Cassidy came down, got a little rise out of the inner circle before being helped out of the ringside area by the best friends. Now, it seems that we're heading towards an Orange Cassidy inner circle match 
do you feel this will build Mr. Freshly Squeezed up even more? You know, we questioned when we first started doing this podcast, we both were very high on Orange Cassidy. We love his gimmick, but we we wondered about the limits. And we both kind of came around as, you know, we've done this podcast for months that this guy can win a championship. He can, you know, be, you know, arguably one of your top guys in a promotion, but nothing is going to assist that more and legitimize him more than having a feud with Chris Jericho. So I am a hundred percent all in on this. I think that, you know, as we've seen, look at jungle boy who really didn't get off to a great start in AEW, And when he had that 10 minute match with Chris Jericho, it was like, you know, they put a rocket ship on him. uh, And since then he seems like a big time player Orange Cassidy is already at a higher level than Jungle Boy was at that point in time. So imagine what this could do for him to have a real meaningful feud with Chris Jericho. Yeah, I really dig it. Um, it could catapult him, hopefully, uh, to some gold within the next year. You know, I could totally see, you know, him and Sammy G eventually being guys feuding for that uh, TNT championship. So in the next uh, bout, we had Big Swole, that name just kills me, (laughs) going against former women's champ Nyla Rose. Swole showed her strength by matching shoulder tackles with Rose. I mean, this was a battle of two behemoth women. After getting tripped out of the ring, Nyla regained control, slamming Swole into the ring. I mean, it was an okay match. It favored Big Swole when the pace quickened, but that momentum was halted by a spear by Rose. Swole attempted one last bit of offense until Nyla hit a modified beast bomb for the win. During an unusual post-match interview with the loser, Swole was trolled by uh, Dr. Britt Baker. The women's division is really starting to fit in. We've talked about our complaints for months about how the women's division has not been highlighted enough, that they seem to be moving in the right direction. the only matchups that I'm looking for is basically anything with Dr. Britt Baker. <laughs> I think she needs to be the champ as soon as she is medically cleared to do so. And I say that because again, they have a lot of great wrestlers. It's what we talk about on WWE just this last week with Apollo Cruz, but you need somebody who is really good on the mic to truly establish a belt. And right now they don't have that. And I think a Britt Baker run with the championship and then whoever that person is who eventually overthrows her, there's your next star. And that's what we need moving forward. That's what I'm looking the most for that and more Penelope Ford. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of people that we can talk about um, Penelope Ford, especially. And I agree with you. Um, We do need someone who not only will put serious legitimacy because I I've heard that you know Rio was a big draw Nyla Rose was just a big name because of her stature and so on Big Swole was a, a big addition as well but let's get some real legitimacy behind this I mean I like Hikaru Shida not fan not phenomenal on the mic we need someone who can kind of give us everything we need and then that will definitely solidify that women's championship like you said yeah she would be a great champion if it was already established she would have been a great champion to defeat Britt Baker if they let her have a run with it but you have to be more invested and I just again you know 
call me more of a new age wrestling fan, but I need the story, the talking, everything to be really invested in something. And I just can't enjoy just watching two great people perform in the ring when it doesn't have any stakes because there's no story or build up to it. Agreed. Moving forward, we had gotten our first interview from FTR, who spoke very highly of the tag team division, but very suspiciously left out the Young Bucks. They proceeded to explain why they didn't uh, mention them to Tony Schiavone and why they didn't attack the Bucks when they saved them from Butcher and the Blade last week. Butcher and Blade then decided to crash the end of the interview. FDR tells them, listen, we're businessmen, and if you guys wish, we'll settle our business in the ring. These guys will go at it next week on Dynamite. Not, I, it's almost a... Um, a give me question. How much are they going to add to this tag team division? You know, I, I, we've talked about this. There's no need to go over it again. <laughs> that I haven't seen it yet from them, but I will say that this interview was more interesting than anything they did in WWE as, as you know, Dash and Wilder. That they just, I, I like the way that they said they're businessmen because that's kind of the way I've looked at them in the ring, that they're very methodical. They're obviously great technicians. And if that's going to kind of be their niche, that they're, you know, mercenaries, men for hire, you know what I mean? Like they're out to win titles, you know, advance the legacy. Then they don't have to talk a lot. They can say small things like this and it mean a lot, but they need to not slow roll the young bucks versus FTR feud, I feel like we need this now because this is something that's going to, in my opinion, last for a long time. These are going to be two staples of their tag team division, hopefully for years to come. So you don't have to slow burn it. Like, go ahead and get it to us right off the bat. And no matter who comes out on top in that first round, we kind of know it's not the end of it, particularly if neither one of them had the tag titles, which they don't at this point in time. Yeah, um, I would love to see something start to build up uh, immediately this coming week. Hopefully that would lead to a Young Bucks and FTR match at uh, the next pay-per-view. I would love to see this happening because, you know, I was actually one who appreciated um, FTR for what they were. They're just, you know, kind of like blue-collar smash mouth kind of old school yeah, yeah. you know I, I love a good old school feel they'll they'll grapple great tag team action so uh, but yeah um we are we're gonna get into talking about slow burns that are still burning quite <laughs> so yeah let's not play this one slow i i want to see them in the books as quickly as possible so the main event for aw and again I'm giving them credit. It works, but this is an exact copy of the John Cena U.S. title storyline as Cody Rhodes, it's been mentioned, is going to defend the the TV title, I believe, every week, correct? Mm -hmm. Which that seems seems like a little much, but uh, we were both very excited. As we know, Jungle Boy uh, was the first person to win a crack at the TNT uh, TV title. He won the Battle Royal last week. The title belt has gone a minor facelift. What do you think about that? Uh, I like that they fill it in. I still think I would like it better if it had gold plating, though. I I agree. Uh, it's, again, to me, it just looks a lot like the old uh, tag team titles. Or, excuse me, I guess they're still silver, aren't they, on the Raw they side? They are. 
Yeah, there. Yeah, it looks a lot like it. Uh, after starting with some classic wrestling, Cody turned up the pressure quickly using his size advantage to keep Jungle Boy from gaining any momentum. After suffering through a figure four, Perry tried to get something going but was dumped on the outside by Cody. Cody showed a lot of aggression, but that backfired when going for a headbutt against the wall. He missed, and it split him open. I just want to say, too, that Cody, he's bleeding too much. Mm. And, if it's, and if it's for a pay-per-view, I kind of understand it. I just, in the world we live in with concussions and stuff, and just, you know, kids watching, I know I'm kind of being, I don't, I don't want to, you know, sound like a, you know. Get off a my lawn. That, uh, exactly. But it's like, I just, to me, it sets a bad example because he seems to get busted open a lot. He does. He does. Uh, anyway, so moving forward, but Jungle Boy didn't in- initially notice uh, that he was bleeding because he was jawing with MJF. After getting Cody back in the ring, Perry went right after his injury and had many near falls. There was a couple amazing spots punctuated by both men falling through a table at ringside from the top rope. The champion got up first and after avoiding another near fall, hit the crossroads for the win. Jack Perry put up an amazing fight. And it seems that we said about Cody is going to do is true by putting over the future of the promotion uh, during this you know, TV title reign. My biggest takeaway from this match was Cody appeared to be working as a heel, Mm. which I think that's brilliant. Cody is the kind of character that I think he can work face or heel. And it makes sense because he kind of has that triple H dynamic that, you know, that like, yes, he's loved by the, the universe, you know, the fans, but he's also basically an owner, you know, he's the man. So it can work either way when need be. What was your big takeaway from this match? My big takeaway, more Jungle Boy. Um, I'm very higher on this kid, but I I did like what you said because you did see the intensity of Cody and he was very heelish in this. Like he's taking his uh, challenge to hold on to that title very seriously. And it was definitely on full display, but I'm very um, impressed with Jungle Boy and I, can't wait to see what his future is going to hold. And again, to do the comparison of John Cena's U.S. you know title uh, run where he had the open challenge, Cody by working heel. A lot of times Cena did that, you know, during this run. If it was an up and comer, uh, you know, from say NXT that had a one shot deal, and I, th- I think it was Sami Zayn famously in Canada. You know, Cena being the the wise wrestler he is, much like Cody Rhodes, noticed that, okay, the crowd's going to really get behind this kid. Let me work more heel because it's just going to make it a more enjoyable match. Again, my only disappointment is could you imagine the reaction if that would have been in front of a live audience? Oh, man. Um, I, I, that's, I, I believe we did hear word that they're soon going to be allowing um, limited audiences back in at least Florida. So in front of an audience, the pop, that's the one thing I can't wait for us to start getting back. I'm liking what um, all promotions are doing now, having a little bit of the additional talent outside so that we can have a little. So much better. It it definitely adds to it, especially once we get to the the pay-per-view. I'm really digging it, but yeah, that would have been fantastic if that was in front of a crowd. All right, so on NXT, again, because we want to go over the In Your House pay-per-view, 
we are only going to go over the segments on the show on Wednesday that didn't have something to do with the matches Sunday at the pay-per-view because we're basically be setting up something we're going to talk about. So going into that, in a match to determine the number one contender to the NXT Tag Team titles, we had a triple threat match between Lorcan and Birch, Undisputed Era's Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, and the returning Breezango. This was a really good match, and I have to say I was very surprised and impressed by uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango. After the the match naturally broke down, as they will in a six-man match like this, (laughs) um, a helpful appearance by Dexter Loomis, who continues to stalk the Undisputed Era, Fandango hit a leg drop from the top rope for the win, giving them a title shot at In Your House. After the match, Imperium comes out to take a good look at their next opponent and was followed out by Malcolm Bivens and the imposing duo of Singh and Gurjar. Is there anything that excites you right now about the NXT tag team division? If I'm being brutally honest, not really. Uh, I will say that I am interested to see if they give Tyler Breeze and Fandango a true you know, go at this, maybe even a tag team title push, because at one point I was high on both of these guys. I can't believe it's now been like six, seven years since Fandango beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it seems like a lifetime ago and it's just a shame because they had such a great tag team storyline going with, with the Bruiser Bros And unfortunately, it kind of got sidetracked because of the pandemic, you know, obviously. And since then, I just have not been that invested. I'm completely over, uh, you know, the the Undisputed Era. They've been on top too long, and it's time for a change. So I'm not invested in them. Hopefully, there'll be some new teams that establish themselves. But right now, I'm not that excited. Yeah, nor am I, unfortunately. Um, I, I Sing and Gurjar apparently have a big rattling coming behind them, but until I see them in the ring, I, I won't know. Um, it's crazy that right now it looks like Breezango, you know, hopefully can use this momentum. But yeah, ever since they took it off the browser weights, I agree with you. It, it's not a lot to really be desired. So let's just go straight to the cruiserweight okay. and then we'll get into the pay-per-view. So in the finals of the cruiserweight tournament, and I know it's Phantasma. How do you say the beginning El of the name? El Ijo. El Ijo took on fighting for his career, Drake Maverick. We have discussed <laughs> this at length for months. Uh, Maverick, who has basically been the underdog the entire tournament, not only because he's Drake Maverick, Uh, And he's even small for a cruiserweight, but for the fact that we've all read that he had been released by WWE, we didn't understand what was going on. As he has in all of his matches, he showed a lot of heart and used a lot of Phantasma's momentum for his offense, being the smaller of the two guys. Uh, Unfortunately, he did not have control of most of the match until Drake was able to hit a bulldog, then followed it with a beautiful elbow drop. The two then battled on the top rope till they hit the floor, and that's when our mystery luchadors came to ringside. Maverick would fly out to the ring to fight them off, but upon his return to the ring, he would get hit with a super kick, a phantom driver, and then you had a new interim cruiserweight champion. Phantasma celebrated, 
while Drake was cheered on by the wrestlers in attendance and thanked by the fans for their support. There's a lot of love on Twitter and stuff as well. As he went to leave the arena, he was met by Triple H, brought and signed a new contract for Maverick. You know, both of us had huge issues with the way they played this storyline off. And I got to say, and this may be a little shocking to people, I hated how they did this because, and I only say that that it actually was a good storyline, but this was a man's livelihood. And I don't know if he knew the entire time he was going to be re-signed or not. If it comes out that he did, I'm okay with it. And I actually loved it. But if not, to dangle somebody's livelihood just to create a storyline with everything going on in the world right now, I have some pretty big issues yeah, with that. Yeah, uh, I as well, especially considering that massive list of cuts that had came out when he was on the list this is not the time to be playing with people's lives like that. So I'm hoping that it was eventually just a story, but if it comes out that that was like, this was all legit, I'm sorry. I got to give that two thumbs down. So, and this is what I will say is think about the video he put out right after his release was announced. He is either the greatest actor of all time, which I have not seen that from Drake Maverick. And the two plus years that I've seen him on WWE television, or he had no idea if he was going to have a job at the end of this. And it's just, that's really sad. It is. It is because, you know, again, now is not the time to be playing. You know, there are so many people out of work. Uh, most of us are working class Americans. I mean, Jesus, we had gotten over 30 million people on unemployment. I would think it's a tasteless storyline if it was for real that they was just dangling that carrot out there like that. Completely agree. So next, let's move on to the pay-per-view in your house. This is the first time since February 1999 Mm -hmm. that WWE or NXT in this instance brought back the in your house pay-per-view. This was for obviously one of the NXT takeovers. For those that don't know, and, you know, we're both older guys, so anyone listening that's younger, In Your House was actually the name for all non-major pay-per-views, your non-Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series until 1999. And I believe the first one they had was that February Valentine's Day Massacre, I believe was the first one. Now, obviously, we know they have a new pay-per-view every month. They all have their own individual names. But before that, they were all called In Your House. Uh, so there's your information, the uh, or your I guess history lesson for the day. The event started with a six man or excuse me six woman tag team match as Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart taking on Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. Blackheart entered in her mini tank, which I gotta admit at first <laughs> I thought it was really stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get behind it. I mean, it's it's funny. She's living the character, which is great. Uh, the first half of the match saw a lot of fast tags. They were highlighting all six women's talent, which is smart in this kind of showcase match. Then Kai and Knox's rivalry would kind of take center stage as both would battle back and forth. Near the end, we saw a little bit of interaction between Yim and LeRae, who have a budding rivalry as well. Uh, after a lot of spots that included double teams and multi-women moves, Knox would get some revenge by hitting Kai with the shiniest wizard to pick up the win for a team. 
I thought this match was good. It was exciting, fast-paced. But I was a little disappointed because NXT is really good about their pay-per-view matches telling stories, whether either it be starting or concluding stories. I felt like this didn't really advance any storyline, despite there being several women in this match that kind of had stuff that could develop or kind of finalize. Do you do you feel the same way with this, that this was just kind of a fluff it match? Was it was a really, a really good, good quality match, but not NXT, Right. I, I think you know, the match. only thing that this one really watched it last night was really to kind of push Shotzi Blackheart but uh, yeah you're right that there was no real storylines pushed I don't know if that this is going to lead to something happening with uh, Shotzi and um, Raquel Gonzalez or not because I know they had already had a match where Gonzalez you know uh, had defeated her with a little bit of help from the outside but yeah, um, I would have liked to see a little more. I was expecting more with the Mia Yim and Candice LeRae, so I, was, I definitely was a little disappointed on that. I was too. In the next match, Finn Balor seek revenge against Damian Priest of the. So Balor started the match right after the bell with a running drop kick. Priest came off very strong, though, controlling the much of the middle part. He used his size to slow down the match and overpower Finn. A mistake, though, when he crashed into the steel steps from the apron, gave the prince all the opening he would need. He would hit two coups de grace and pick up the win. Now, you were excited when Baylor was sent back to NXT. I have to say I'm a little bit surprised how they're using him. I thought that he was instantly going to be in the title picture, and it was you know, hinted for a quick second that he would and then he quickly dropped off when uh champa returned so i gotta say i'm a little surprised at how they're using finn but at the same time i'm starting to see the bigger picture because last night finn seemed to be uh kind of a face don't you think yeah they appear to be moving him back in that direction but I got to say, man, you know, there's a lot of people and RC talks about it, you know, frequently that, you know, NXT guys are great NXT, but, but not elsewhere. This guy's been great Mm -hmm. everywhere. Okay. He was the biggest thing in Japan. He obviously was the NXT champion. He was arguably the most successful NXT guy to come up to WWE with how quickly he was the like two belt champion. Mm -hmm. People forget that they had merged the belts. And he won the title, I believe, in his first month, uh, you know, in on the main roster. And, uh, you know, big pay-per-view. He went through Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins to do it. And then he got hurt. And since then, they have really dropped the ball with this guy. I thought they were sending him down there to build him up, give him, you know, give NXT some name power. And instead, he's just kind of floundered and had some – Honestly, uninteresting feuds. Damian Priest, I will admit, looked great last night. And that kind of proves, I think, to your point, that maybe they're using him to build up some guys. And and they accomplished that in that match last night. It was a really good match. But no offense to Damian Priest, this is not who Finn Balor should be fighting at a major pay-per-view in NXT. Like, he's Finn Balor. He's the demon. He's the prince. Like, I thought when he went down there and he sort of seemed heelish that, all right, we're going to get, like, you know, the bullet club. 
uh, you know, Prince, Finn Balor here, and it just hasn't happened. And I just, I think they could be doing so much more with it. Yeah, I'm very disappointed. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they give him a little bit of a comeback. Honestly, I really feel that it would be great if we can get him back in the title picture, or I would like to see him uh, mm-hmm. possibly with one of our newcomers, which we're going to touch on very, very shortly. Yeah, it, he needs. I think he needs a faction. I mean, you you look at how good he was with the Bullet Club over there, and you know they they a lot of people think he was actually the best leader, and that includes guys like you know AJ Styles and, and others. So maybe that's what he needs as a faction to be the leader of that, and and you can kind of go from there. Uh, uh, just real quickly, just because of the way the end of that match happened. No, just because of the way the end of that match happened. Yeah. Uh, to that point, seeing something maybe with him and Damian Priest uh, getting together and maybe building a stable around those two Ooh. could be a a viable option for the immediate future. And again, I was really impressed with Damian Priest last night, who I have not been. Uh, he looked great. And he really, you know, he's one of the bigger guys in NXT. And it, it looked like it in that match. That bump, really, he really used that his size like well. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, he did. That was brutal. So the next match was one that mm-hmm. I think both of us were, were maybe the most excited for going in. As Johnny Gargano challenged Keith Lee for the North American title. Lee dominated the early part of the match with his size mm-hmm. and athleticism. I love the way they book Keith Lee. You know, th- he's the biggest, baddest dude in NXT, and they almost always book him that way. You know, always. And Gargano could not even get in offense until he poked Lee in the eye and then starting work, uh, working on the injured hand, which we saw that be injured in the lead-up uh, to this match. Lee would end up hitting a brutal backbreaker to break a submission hold uh, that – Johnny had on his hand to get a near fall. Obviously, then Candice LeRae, which we knew that was coming, tried to interfere, but Yim was there to stop her. Gargano mm-hmm. attacked Lee's eyes again. I loved how heelish she was being and tried to put him away with two brutal kicks to the head. When that was unsuccessful, I mean, Johnny snapped, but I also think he realized, like, oh, crap, I'm screwed. Uh, from there, you know, moments later, Lee had retained the title. I'm personally like disappointed that Gargano did not get the win here. Obviously it would have to be, you know, nefarious ways or he'd have to cheat to be believable to beat Keith Lee. But I just think his heel run is so great right now. And what he needed to continue to advance that was a big win and gold around his waist. And I think they kind of maybe blew it last night by not letting him, keep that moment yeah um, losing they this put match. on a really fantastic match think? again and i'm glad that uh, the commentators had highlighted how well gargano used his uh his new heelish ways to get over on uh, dominic dijakovic which he did in this match as well um when he pulled out the keys from his trunks mm-hmm. and hit that uh tornado ddt i really thought that they were gonna like that <laughs> i honestly agree with you that would have been a perfect spot right there put the strap on him, you would have given Keith Lee some extra motivation to come back and take his title back. It would have built up more of this storyline. So I'm only disappointed in the ending. I would, I really like this match though. 
Oh, it was a great it was a great match. And as we spoke about last week on this episode or the AEW NXT episode, I think yeah. that Keith Lee is above the North American title. And he should either be on the main roster or he should be fighting for the NXT championship because he's, yeah. he's the best guy and, on their um, roster. It kind of uh it, it would have played out the way that we had for this match and then the reality of what we're about to talk about would have made a little bit more sense. Now, speaking of the NXT title, we should have known the Velveteen Dream was winning unluckily when this bout (laughs) didn't close the show. I almost text you the second I was like, wow, this isn't closing the show. I mean, I know it was more of a theatrical type match, you know, Similar to the, uh, or not similar, but in the same stratosphere. As when I was, when I stuff, looked at that was a bad this start. and, you know, called what I felt would be the order of the matches, I knew that with Charlotte Flair, that Charlotte was going to be the, the main eventer because, uh, you know, it, it's one of those That's things where I got to eat crow, you know, RC is right. She's, she's the draw. She's the draw. So she had to close the show, but, you know, I was hoping that that wouldn't have played anything against this championship match. Now, Adam Cole showed up for this, for their back lot brawl in a custom undisputed era truck. I did kind of like it, you know, flashback to the old monster truck days. The dream showed up in a custom Lamborghini looking like Negan off the walking dead. (laughs) The ref said anything goes, <laughs> but the winner had to uh, pin them in the ring, set up in the parking lot. Now, like many of their recent matches, there was too much outside interference. Of course, Strong and Fish uh, were helping Cole Way by throwing much. chairs into the ring. But our guy, Dexter Loomis, showed up to even the odds and chased them off, tossing them in the car, which was hilarious, actually. Um but Adam Cole would use a low blow to his advantage fun. and then pick up the win to retain the title. We were both so high on this feud, and this has been really underwhelming. Are you surprised the way that this has been booked and the fact that Adam Cole is still our NXT champion? I'm shocked at the way they've booked this. and. With everything going on in the world, and not to diminish it by bringing in wrestling, but you know there there's a a narrative that's fair that African Americans in WWE are not treated with equal respect, especially when it comes to championship reigns. And when you have a guy like Velveteen Dream, who everybody thinks the world of, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't think this guy is one of the most talented wrestlers in WWE or NXT has you know the brightest future possible and we talked about it he had been kind of teased before but never got the highlighted championship feud like he has with Adam Cole and he's basically just been dispensed twice uh and it's it's maddening that they didn't think that this was the time to put the belt on him. I think he would be a great champion. I think he deserves it. He's been one of the key mm-hmm. figures for NXT for, what, three, four years now? 
and to not have, you know, a title, uh, you know, a victory here. And I, I don't understand why Adam Cole is the guy that they've just decided to have this unbelievably lengthy title reign, especially when one of, you know, the many complaints people have about NXT is the guys are too small. And so now the smallest NXT Next to Johnny Gargano. ever, probably, I mean, is going to have the longest. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it's not like Gargano is that much. You know what I'm saying? That's true. It's just Gargano also looks a little bit more ripped than Adam Cole. It just, uh, I, I just don't understand it. I was really frustrated at the end of this match. And it was the first time in a long time. I mean, maybe ever that I can remember an NXT pay-per-view where one of the main events. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I me like that the, they used his destroyer on top of the chairs for for the win. But, yeah, um, it, it's difficult because, you know, my first exposure to the Velveteen Dream was when he had first won the uh, North American title. God, that must have been, what, four years ago? Something like that now? And, and it was an amazing, like, fatal four-way. And at the time, I didn't know, but, you know, started hearing buzz about him. And since then, yeah, he's been probably one of the biggest names who's never really been given that shot. Um, I listened to your point about um, the lack of uh, black champions. And it's funny because right before we uh, started recording, I had found a picture that actually right now, both raw and SmackDown tag team champions, uh, the 24 seven champion, the United States champion and the North American champion, all black men, but the world champion. No, but no, I, I, I I knew that that's what your point was because, um, yeah. Um, Outside of Kofi, which, you know, they ended that story terribly. Ended terribly. I was going to say, we saw all that. Now it's like, well, now what are you going to do with Velveteen Dream? Because now we have to wait for somebody to usurp Adam Cole for him to have a shot. By then, I mean, this guy's got to get up to the main roster in the next year or so. But how are you going to do that if you haven't legitimized this man as a the world champion that he is. So I'm with you in that they're really uh, underplaying this man so bad right now. They dropped the ball. Um, so I will say though, and the surprise of the night, the next match maybe made the booking decision make a little bit more sense because carrying cross, he squashed Champa and his big debut match at the NXT pay-per-view last night. This reminded me of Brock Lesnar manhandling John Cena at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what was that, 2013, 2014, for the, for the world title. And what I mean by that is if there was any doubt how big the plans are for Cross moving forward, mm-hmm. much like with Lesnar, because you remember Lesnar had fought Cena in his first match at Extreme Rules. He got beat. And then people are like, okay, so Lesnar's not going to be like unstoppable this time in WWE. And then a few years later when that happened, it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's about to be the man because Cena was WWE at that point. You could argue Ciampa is NXT at this point. And to have Cross come out, and I mean, literally Ciampa got in maybe two, three offensive moves, maybe. Uh, it, It was incredible. This victory left absolutely no doubt how big the plans are 
Piper Cross and NXT. We just discussed how I was so confused with Cole retaining the title over Dream because I didn't understand who are they saving that moment for. Well, we might have just had that answered in this next match. I would it not wouldn't be surprised surprise if Cross is the champion in like the next amazed. month or two. Because we know Ciampa, I mean, especially considering the in and out of ring, we know that he's probably the toughest son of a gun in NXT. And outside of a few running knees and such to kind of only stun Cross for a moment, Cross was never in any danger at all. I I like how they put this match together, but this guy is going to be the real deal. The way he... Yeah, basically, like, F5'd him was like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, So I am very (laughs) excited. I mean, I heard all the buzz about this guy. Uh, I wasn't, I I didn't know too much about him. From what I've seen this past month, oh, yeah, you can definitely just put the rocket ship on this guy now, and he can create havoc and uh, create great storylines immediately. And how about the the total package? Because they've built him up character. He's intriguing on the mic. He's got a, you know, very interesting, beautiful manager, obviously, you know, partner. And then for him to have this debut, I mean, kudos to NXT. I was a little disappointed uh, with the first four, you know, matches slash outcomes yeah, they did. of that pay-per-view yeah, they last did. night. But boy, Speaking the last two of which, which took us home, the women in the NXT title triple threat match. The first time this has occurred since Sasha versus Bailey several years ago. Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, and Io Shirai did not disappoint at all. I probably agree with you with this being probably the match of the night. Early, Charlotte tricked the other competitors into fighting uh, in the match, which was beautiful, allowing her to, yeah, you know, it just showed that Charlotte is definitely the class of the women's division, period. Like, all, mm-hmm. she's definitely the best in the world. It's no denying it. Now, eventually, both Io and Rhea the queen and after several near finishes the women took the fight outside the ring and it had gotten really ugly out there culminated with eo doing a cross body from the top of the set man i i was worried it was because when they kept showing the replays i saw how charlotte was grabbing her face and it was like the way that EO's body rolled over as they hit the floor. I I was like, oh, God, don't tell me she's busted open because she held her face like, yeah. And she didn't, and EO didn't just kind of fall into it. She did the full jump spread. She went for it all. It was beautiful. But when Rhea looked like she had victory in her grasp, the queen grabbed the kendo stick in desperation. As Charlotte applied the figure eight on Rhea Ripley, Io would hit a beautiful moonsault, pinning Rhea and becoming the new women's champion. We've discussed at length the booking decision to have Flair uh, win the gold at Mania. How are you feeling about it now that it appears that this storyline is coming to an end? I said it last night, and, you know, me and RC are already arguing 
again, which is not a surprise, but I don't understand. Like, I, he made his point, mm-hmm. and he's absolutely right about Charlotte being the draw, and, and, and that was part of it. But, again, what is the point of having Rhea win the belt to lose to Charlotte then for EO to win when Charlotte did not take the pin. Like, why mm-hmm. would you not just have EO either go over Rhea or either EO defeat Charlotte one-on-one or even have the triple threat match and have it where Charlotte is, you know, pinned. But it's because, you know what I'm saying, it's a triple threat match. I don't think it makes her look any weaker to be the one to take the pin, but it definitely makes EO so much stronger having actually pinned Charlotte because – I don't know if Charlotte's going to stick around. I mm-hmm. doubt she is because Becky is gone. You know what I mean? Like, Becky's gone. They're going to need her back on Raw. I truly believe that. I don't think she's going to stick around and have a rematch. Now, if she does and EO beats her, again, RC was right all along, and I will, you know, rescind, you know, my complaints. But I don't get it. Like, I understand what RC's points are, but there is, like, serious logic behind it makes – a wrestler looks so much stronger, better, builds them up when they pin somebody who is as monumental totally, totally. as Charlotte And Flair. I wanted that as well. Um, I hate having to admit when I'm wrong and, you know, I'll, I'll keep giving, I'll keep giving, you know, the boss that nod. He's right about that in, in terms of Charlotte. He is. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are also right in that Let's build this character up, whoever it's going to be. Let's build her. I was actually hoping that Rhea was going to get it back. I'm very happy for Io Shirai because she's had so many shots and they haven't given it to her. But yeah, it would have been punctuated so much more if she had hit that moonsault on Charlotte for the pin. I got to admit, too, you've been really big on Io, and I, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so impressive last night. I thought she was the best wrestler in the match last night. Um, just the, the moonsault was gorgeous for the finish. The insanity of just, I just loved her knowing the moment. She knew that her jumping off the top of that in your house prop sign 20 feet onto Rhea That's and Charlotte nice, beautiful spot. was an iconic moment. And she, she didn't, she didn't drop. It's like what you said. She goes, I know this is my moment, so I am going to run full speed and trust these two, you know, jacked women Mm -hmm. to catch me, which they did to the best of their ability. But she knew she was going to take punishment on that and still wanted to provide that for the fans because she knew that was her moment. Obviously, she knew that she was going to win the match at the end of the night. I love the way they had the confetti uh, confetti and stuff fall down and her celebration at the end. And I am very interested to see where the women's division goes from here because I don't think Charlotte's going to stick around. I'm not sure if I I mean, I'm assuming so. Rhea is going to want a shot at her title one-on-one, but who knows? Uh, and if not, I'm excited to see if it's, you know, Candice, if it's Dakota Kai, who it is, but who yeah, that next, you know, challenger is going to be. definitely interested in what they're going to have going forward. Um, also, um, as you were saying about uh, all of her high flying, that missile drop kick, that springboard missile drop kick she did, like the height on that was just amazing. I mean, it's, it's just a drop kick. 
but it's but she got up it, there. It's one of the prettiest I've ever seen. It, it was. Yeah. It, I am totally in agreement that she was the best wrestler uh, in that match. All three women put on a, a spectacular performance, but I hope that this is going to Great give us match. at least if Rhea is going to be one of those women that they also pull to uh, bolster the main rosters. And I hate calling them the main rosters, but it, it's what it is. Um, she's got to be the one to help solidify EO as a champion before they do that, before they, you know, put somebody else in there. I agree. I agree. Because Charlotte, if Charlotte's not going to do it, Rhea does. I, I completely agree. What a fantastic pay per view. Is there any? Man, it, it was really good. I will say, though, again, I was pretty disappointed with the with the first four matches, and and, and not for yes. the quality of the matches, but like what we said in that first one, I was disappointed in kind of the way that it didn't really advance anything, uh, you know. And obviously, in the Gargano match, I, I was flat out disappointed with the finish. I, I think that they're kind of messing up there. Finn Balor again, it just to me didn't seem that important. And then again, the, the title yeah. match infuriated me. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I was livid just because I just felt like he's had two title matches in the last month. The first one was on an NXT show that it mm-hmm. felt rushed. You know, they had like 14 minutes left in the show when it started, and then to do this match, and it to me, it just felt like he didn't get a real <laughs> shot. I know it's wrestling. It's like Keith, get over yourself. But it's like at some point, Adam Cole has become. The, the heel champion that there's always the undisputed era interfering in everything. And it didn't feel like that at the beginning of his title run. And now it feels like it's like a one-on-four match against, you know, and, and basically, every no, match. And, and that's you know, that's, that I was thinking about that last night. It's very horseman ish, which, you know, back in the day, it kind of worked. because right. You know, there wasn't as much. He's not. Yes, exactly. He exactly. ain't Ric Flair. You know what I mean? That, I and, like that was, and that was my point. Because Ric of Flair. who those guys were, that worked. You, you can't keep doing this. Like, I almost forgot how good Adam Cole was because I'm sitting here watching this match and it's like, what's his finisher again? And then until he hit that destroyer, I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Because <laughs> you forget because he's just getting help. The best match he had was against uh, was against Daniel Yeah, Ryan, oh, last you know, year, was it yes, SmackDown, right? A couple of months ago, and yeah, and or excuse me, yeah, I guess it was last year. God, time flies. But I mean, that's the best match I've seen out of him. It seems like in six, seven months, and it's like that shouldn't be the case. It should be those type matches for his NXT title because if he's going to be the champ this long, they need to show how great he is in the ring. He that's is. What Adam he Cole is, is and great unfortunately. As great as he is, he isn't any Ric Flair, but they're giving him a lot of Ric Flair-like treatment. Exactly. Yep. Uh, just uh, my usual, uh, HarvestCreditors.com. 2020, uh, we're still aiming to get 20,000 families in uh, home in homes. Uh, you need to get your credit repaired. You need something to get off of your credit report. Get at me, Ron L. Tinsley, on Facebook and Instagram. Let's talk. And uh, again, just please be sure to uh, subscribe to the IB Sports Podcast feed. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and also we have a Facebook group. Uh, me and Ronnell will be back uh, sometime probably in the middle of the week to talk Raw and SmackDown, a SmackDown that 
uh, you know, I called it Good Sasha call. and Bailey are now the tag Good team call. champions. I'm getting back on board uh, with this split. That's so, usually my dog uh, doing that. Nico, be quiet. But we're getting <laughs> that's all right. Uh, we're going to be getting out of here. Uh, but me and Ronnell will be back uh, next week. And uh, this has been another episode of the You Kid Too, my Turn friend. Buckle Talk Podcast. soon.